We Got a Memo podcast is back, people. Sorry for the delays. We've been very busy lately. It's been tough getting any number of us together, let alone one of us, to find time to record. But, you know, we try, we're going to try every week, especially this week, because we are recapping, I guess, the NFL season as a whole, especially the Super Bowl, um, which, you know, marks the end of the football season, leads to combine draft season but also we can shift our focus more to march madness or the nba baseball starting up there's a big trade that roland wants to touch on because it involves his red Sox, and then just some other off chance things you know olympics started this summer we got obviously olympic qualifiers coming around for men and women and sports like soccer and all that stuff so still a lot of sports coming around but the king of all the sports nfl that season is done with the chiefs beating the 49ers 31 to 20 we have myself john and xavier back for this pod welcome john welcome did i just make it right for the start yeah we just started we were uh trying to troubleshoot Zay's webcam issues, but we decided to get started. Um, Hi, Zay. What's up, John? <laughs> so, we can't see Zay, but he is there. But let's uh, let's get started on Super Bowl. What what do you guys think? Man, um, I really believe that San Francisco had it in the bag. Yeah. Against Kittle at the end of the first half? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me that changed the dynamic of the game. And, just, you know, I think if that probably would have guaranteed an extra touchdown and maybe provided another bumper. Maybe Mahomes would have turned it, <coughs> uh, would have turned it on. Yeah, definitely changes the game that one. I I kind of forgot about it to be honest, but looking back, um you you tweeted at the pod, you know what what and I responded what I thought of it. I thought it was a soft call by the refs just cuz I didn't think in the Super Bowl that I didn't think it was egregious to this fact that I don't know. I obviously, if you follow the rules and you see it in slow motion, yeah, it was a push off. But I don't know. I feel like there's push offs that happen more than are called, and the fact that George Kittle is just so much bigger and stronger than Sorensen kind of made that call a little worse. But you're definitely right. It definitely, I in my opinion, it changed the game because if you think about it, they're going into halftime and they get down to Kansas City's like twenty. You think that's at least a field goal, and I believe they were tied at halftime. I don't remember, but it was it was a close game. So you're up three at halftime. Maybe you score a touchdown. You're up seven at halftime. Totally changes the game. Forty um, Nine ers just going with a different you know mindset. They're up seven going into halftime. I 
think they get the ball first after halftime. I don't remember. Yeah. But you're right. It definitely changed the game. Um, and especially as we see now, no lead is safe with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Um, yeah. Definitely, I, in my opinion, it really solidified how good he is as a quarterback. And in two years of starting to have won the NFL MVP, Super Bowl MVP, obviously a Super Bowl champion, definitely solidifies him as Probably the best quarterback in the league. I don't know who is close right now. Obviously, you know, Tom Brady's great. Probably the best of all time. But right now, is there a quarterback you'd want other than Mahomes? No. I don't think so either. What about you, Zay? What do you think of the game? Um, I thought it was, well, one, I thought it was a really good game. Um, compared to last year's game, I thought it was very entertaining. Um... I mean, I don't know, I thought it was, I mean, when you have Mahomes playing it, it's pretty entertaining, but, um, yeah, I agree with John, I thought the 49ers let it slip right through their fingers, thought they had it, um, but, I mean, you have to give credit to the Chiefs, I mean, their fourth quarter was pretty incredible, so, I, I think it's part of the Chiefs and what Mahomes did, but also I think it's a little bit of the 49ers, too. Um, I thought some of their play calling was was bad. Um, but still, I think you have to give more credit to the Chiefs and Mahomes. Um, yeah, I, I mean, so the quickly, I thought overall, when I was going to mention this, I thought the referees were, for the most part, pretty good. Um, I was okay with the offensive pass interference on Kittle. Um, I know it didn't look bad, but I, I still thought it was enough for him to be able to make the catch. I thought it helped him enough where you can call that. Um, Ooh. So I was okay with the call, um, especially on that big of a play and in that late in the half. I was okay with it, but I, I can understand why people – would not be, but I, I still thought it was just enough for Kittle to help him, and so I, w- I would have called it, but but overall, I thought the refs were pretty good. They didn't change the game in any any sort of way. Um, Except that. No, nah, I, I, <laughs> I thought they did what they were supposed to do in a big game like that, so I, I, was, I was okay with it. But yeah, no, all credit to the Chiefs, and I'm happy for Andy Reid to get his first Super Bowl. He deserves it, so. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I was rooting for the Chiefs uh, for Andy Reid. Like, he was the main reason. Nothing against the Niners. I just wanted Andy Reid to get one because I do feel like the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, they're going to get one eventually. I know they're kind of tight up against the cap right now. They have around $20 million. They have to re-sign some guys like Armstead. Kittle could be up for an extension. Uh, maybe... Jimmy Garoppolo is up for an extension. Um, maybe you need to... I think Emmanuel Sanders is up for a contract. So they have some work to do. But with Jimmy G, Garoppolo, that defensive line could be really special for years to come. Zay, the one thing... I, I do agree for the most part that the refs were good. Obviously, we kind of disagree on the Kittle call. I just kind of think like, you know, Super Bowl, first half... You know, try not to affect the game that much. On, I, I personally don't think it was that concrete of a call. Like I said on Twitter 
or I just said, I thought it was a little soft, especially when they don't call it against Kyle Rudolph against the Saints, like John sent that clip. The and but the only thing, the other thing that I had an issue with was if you watch the game, there's a point where the 49ers ran an outside run to the left side. Maybe it was a toss or a jet sweep or something. But if you watch, Joe Staley does what looked very, very similar to the blindside block that was called against Cody Ford. And obviously I'm being a homer against the Bills in their Super Bowl game against Houston Texans, which created a 15-yard penalty, moved the Bills out of field goal range, potentially could have won them the game if that flag hadn't been thrown. However, in the Super Bowl, a very similar play happened where Joe Staley did a, what looked like to me, a blindside block for this run, um, and no flag was called. So just, I think, I feel like this goes through a theme throughout the whole season is just the lack of consistency from the refs. I wish that the refs were held more accountable. I wish they were reviewed or something had to provide some explanation as to why this call wasn't called or this call was called as and something more than just like it's a bang bang play that's just what we saw i feel like there there needs to be a a level and a level of consistency for the referees in the nfl so that there isn't as much um i don't want to say hatred towards the refs but like dislike at the lack of calls or excess of calls because it really does affect the game and now that gambling is more prevalent it can affect a lot of money in certain ways you know maybe someone betting over under on the half and that kittle catch wiped out something um i feel like something's gonna happen it kind of has to happen but in a broader sense or maybe a smaller sense i do agree with you that the refs did a pretty good job on that game because other other than the two we just talked about, or I just mentioned, no one really was saying like, oh, the refs blew that call, right? And that's definitely happened in the past. Yeah, but quickly, I, when you're talking about, you know, Kyle Rudolph and the Bills, the Bills call too, I, like, I, I see what you're saying and I completely agree, but it's tough to be consistent from game to game in the NFL when... Um, like, you have different sets of teams of referees. Mm-hmm. And, like, I understand you should, you know, have the same um, the rules and things like that. But, like, with little calls like that, it's tough to, to determine how big of a push-off was it or how bad was the block compared to, like, other games. I just, from what I want to see is the minute the game starts – you have if you're setting whatever tone you set if you're calling everything or if you call nothing do that consistently throughout the game and i don't know i mean i think there were definitely some calls in the super bowl where like oh you know you called the kittle one you probably should have called that one so i just i want consistency throughout the game more so for me not the the game to game, yeah, that's an issue, but I think right now, we, I don't know, I just, I think we need to take it one step at a time for the referees. You just need to be more consistent in the game. However you set the tone from the beginning of the game, if you call everything or you call nothing, just do that throughout the entire game so that the players know what to expect um, 
And I think the players appreciate that more in the end. If you're calling everything, they know they can't, you know, grab a jersey or something like that. Or if they're letting everything go, then they, they can play a little more physical. I just want more consistent consistency from the start of the game to the end of the game. I but I, the game-to-game thing, I, I just think that's a little tougher to manage. And I, I understand the frustrations <laughs> on that, but I just, I don't know. That's just my thought. Yes, I I completely agree with you, Zay, on uh, everything you just said. Thoughts, John, on the refs? Yeah, I know I'm being nitpicky with the Kittle call, but overall, I, there was not one instance where I was just like, other than the Kittle call, where I was like, oh, I didn't really notice them. Yeah. In, a, in an obvious or egregious way. Yeah. Which is honestly, as you know, someone who's more neutral, I'm totally down. You know, that's what I want to see. Like, I just want to watch a fun game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the last thing I have to say, and this kind of just popped into my head as we were talking, is that last touchdown by, maybe not the last, the one he caught where they reviewed for a little while of whether he was out of bounds and the ball had crossed the goal line. I just want to know why the NFL, and I know they can afford it, but just doesn't have a camera right down the goal line and another one perpendicular to that camera so you can show the play from exactly two different angles so you can pause or see exactly when he stepped out from one angle and at the same time the camera down the goal line will show you exactly where the ball is. I just don't get how that isn't in the NFL yet. You know, if you're going to make rules to get things right, or implement all this money, put refs in the pie or cameras in the pylon, put cameras on refs hat. Just have a goal line camera and a down the sideline camera. And so many issues I feel like could be easier. Maybe that's opening a can of worms and then you got cameras everywhere, but I don't know. I I agreed with the call that it was a touchdown, but I I would just baffled me how the only angle, the best angle we had was one that was slightly off-centered. So you couldn't really tell where the ball was when he stepped out of bounds, but you probably knew. That was the biggest issue I had with that. Yeah, I agree. I I just remember watching the replays they were showing up, so I'm just like, you can't come up with a better camera angle for this this play at all mm-hmm. so yeah i agree like if you want to make the right calls and like you said get camera angles so and yeah you know the nfl has the money to do it so absolutely but uh i i thought the game actually moved kind of quick too like yeah when the fourth quarter started i was just like geez there's it's only one quarter left it's still kind of early um yeah. Moved quick, and but one of you guys mentioned it. But the Chiefs were down twenty to ten in the fourth quarter, and then went on to score three straight touchdowns or twenty-one unanswered points in the fourth quarter. I think there was like ten minutes left; they were still down ten. So, just the firepower, explosiveness that Kansas City has and is able to put up points so quickly is one thing. The next thing I want to touch on about the Super Bowl is it's it's not really on Super Bowl, but it kind of is. It's kind of in the future too. But do you think Kyle Shanahan 
choked or let his foot off the gas because you know it's not a good look when you're up 28 to 3 as the OC of the Patriots and you lose and I cut him some slack for that one because he doesn't run the defense so you know that wasn't really his job but this one if you're up 10 you gotta you know keep playing your game just keep putting points on the board and because I, I remember thinking I was just like man it they're up 10, but you know what Mahomes can do? And if he loses his game, not a good look for him. So what did you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I mean, you, you said it. I mean, when you're playing against someone like Mahomes, you do not let, let your foot off the pedal at all. Um, I just, yeah, I thought that's why when I said earlier, I said, I mean, I think you have to give him more credit to the Chiefs, but you also have to, some of the play calling and the conservative, I just, I do, I think you have to put some blame on Shanahan. I don't know if you say choked, but I definitely, I definitely think he, I don't know what, to, I don't know what you say, but I do, I do put blame on him for sure. I thought he should have went for more points, more points than he did. What about you, John? Um, to me, it didn't seem that the 49ers had enough points to choke, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Like, the game was always on, and Kyle Shanahan, as the head coach, I think, yeah, I don't know, you know who called various plays and whatever, but if it was ultimately him, then, like, he dropped the ball and should have kept going because at that point, like you should just understand why the heck are we not, you know, we can't just sit back or run the ball and I understand they have a good run game and all this and that, but right. You got to you got and you got, you got to know who you're playing to. Like obviously Patrick Mahomes, they came back 24 zero against the Texans. 10 point leads, nothing. Gave up. They were down 10 against the Titans. Nothing. So, um, that's that. That's the Chiefs. That was the NFL season. I think we all agreed it was a good game. There was something I was going to say. Oh, I, I the last thing I'm going to say about it is I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo really looked that comfortable. I don't know. I, I know he had at least one pick, and it was a terrible pick, but it kind of seemed like the pass rush, the defense was getting to him. They batting down some balls, deflecting them, and then he had that terrible pick. So he just didn't look comfortable and play as well as he definitely ha- could have. Um, granted, for his first Super Bowl, so you know that's a lot of pressure. That's a really big stage, some bright lights. Um, but I, I think the 49ers will be back in the next few years, uh, especially if they can keep some core pieces around like that pass rush. Obviously, Jimmy G, and maybe just some other weapons to help George Kittle out. Also, just real quick, I don't, Mahomes, I mean, he looked, he was fine, but up until that fourth quarter, he didn't look all that great either. Yeah. I mean, better than Garoppolo, but, I mean, his pick he had, I mean, that was, that was a bad That throw. was bad. He threw that, so, I just, he, I mean, he looked good. But he wasn't the Mahomes that you've been seeing all season. Um, and part of that's because of the 49ers. But, I mean, up until the fourth quarter, 
I mean, the fourth quarter, he was great, but yeah. I do think part of that is just the Niners were just getting to him. Like, that defense was just yeah. so good, they were just getting to him. And obviously, it shows you just how good Mahomes is, right? Like, even if he's playing the best defense in the NFL and he plays terrible, he's still pretty pretty good. You know, like, you'll take that. Yeah. Um, That's why Lamar Jackson is over that's another topic for sure. But yeah, you're right. Mahomes is he, Mahomes has his innate ability to just stay calm no matter the circumstances, take punches on, and just keep swinging back. So that's the NFL season. Chiefs won. I'm sure some people, I know some people made some pretty good money betting on the Chiefs, especially when Mahomes got hurt. I had some friends who made a pretty penny because they won. And now, in the NFL, the shift focuses to the draft and the combine and free agency, which we will definitely touch on a little bit. Um, And unless big news stories come up, we probably won't be talking as in-depth on the NFL as we have. Obviously, you know, big storylines like, will Tom Brady stay in New England? Will Dak stay in Dallas? Probably, but who knows, you know. Who's going, what position in the draft? Just a lot of questions that happen every year in the NFL, and it's always exciting, and every franchise now fills with hope for the next season. I know as a Bills fan, I'm very much looking forward to next season, so we will see what happens in the NFL next. In other sporting news, uh, I'm not going to go too in-depth because I haven't watched a ton of NBA, but the trade deadline is tomorrow. Some big names on the block. There was a huge four-team, 12-player trade. The biggest players involved were Clint Capella going to the Hawks and Robert Covington going to Houston. Um, there are rumors of Iguodala being moved. Um Lakers trying to get someone, maybe Derrick Rose, D'Angelo Russell's up there. Just a lot of NBA going on, but it's tough for me to get into the NBA when the regular season really doesn't matter. Um, So there's the NBA. Like we mentioned, baseball is going to start up soon, and there's a big trade that Roland will definitely have a lot to say about as... The Red Sox have traded Mookie Betts and David Price to the Dodgers. I don't really know what for, but obviously those are some big names, big-time players. Um, and, and Roland's a little upset about it, so hopefully he can touch on that. And before, last thing I want to say before I let you guys talk about what you guys are most excited for coming up is... The Olympics, but also USA Soccer, because wasn't there was a a clip of this American for what's what's the team that Pulisic used to play on Dortmund? Oh, Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. Gio Reyna. Yeah, this seventeen-year-old just put in this incredible goal from just around the box area that just curved. All the way to the back of the net. It was awesome. So hopefully the USA men's soccer team has some uh, potential coming up. Maybe you guys can touch on that. But let me, uh, floor's all yours. What are you guys looking at, thinking about all that jazz? Yeah, I think 
sorry to jump in today. Um, but yeah, I think talking about Gio Reyna, that was his first senior goal for Borussia Dortmund. Um, he's the youngest. Uh, well, that wasn't in the Bundesliga. That was in like a cup game. But I think he's he beat out Pulisic for being the youngest player or something or youngest American in the Bundesliga, which is really exciting. But for any historical USA soccer fans, he is the son of Claudio Reyna. And so kind of that father-to-son mentorship connection. Uh, I hope that Gio Reyna, like, I don't know, I like him a lot. I think he plays more of a number 10, and he's not so much of a winger. So he's not on the wings a whole lot. But I'd love to see him. Uh, I would just love to see him. But I think the future of the U.S. men's national team is super bright. Um, the player to build around is Tyler Adams. That's the man. What is, uh, sorry, to, don't mean to cut you off, but what is a realistic... Um, where do you think the men's team could be come the Olympics? Could they be in position for moving past, you know, like the tournament play? Could they be get to elimination? Could they maybe get a medal, even if it's bronze? Like, what could this USA team be? So I'm not too familiar with the format of the men's Olympics, but it's all under 23 players. In the whole, across the world, or just for the U.S.? Yeah, across the world. Oh. So their limit is U is U, your U23 team, but you can take like a few, two or three. I'm sure you know Twitter can correct us. Can get a few players that are above that age limit. So like someone like Neymar can be brought in to play for Brazil. So is that just for the Olympics, or is does that a yeah that's so the Olympics is kind of just like showing the pipeline for each country's sport or future. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But then the women are completely different and they can allow yeah. anyone. Yeah. Gotcha. That's so weird. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I would like to see who Greg Berhalter calls in. Or, um, or I, is he coaching? I can't remember. I'm not too sure on the Olympics. But hopefully we do well. Hopefully we, <coughs> we qualified. I, we did qualify or hopefully we do qualify? Um, no, like, so our group is, I think, Mexico, Costa Rica, us, and someone else. And so two... The, uh, it's, you know, we just have to play well to qualify. Okay. Are those games soon or in the near future? In March. March, okay. So definitely we'll have to keep an eye out for them. Pulisic's playing, right? Uh, if he's healthy. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have too much... Um, other than what you guys have said. But, I mean, yeah, 
Rowland and I, I'm sure we'll have a separate podcast about baseball. But the Red Sox, I mean, we probably have to talk about the Pirates and what they're, everything they're now doing. Um, so, but then also just college basketball is exciting too. The, um, March Matt. Um, there's no obvious number one in college basketball, which makes things even more exciting um, for the tournament. So, uh, yeah, I mean, basketball is, I guess, what we're watching now. Hockey, too, is exciting. Yep. Um, Penguins are playing well. Caps are playing well. So that's it's good news for NHL playoffs. So um, as the trade deadline is end of February for the NHL, too, so. Things are starting to get exciting for basketball, hockey, so. Definitely. I will definitely be watching more Caps games, uh, hopefully some more college basketball. And Zay, you, you, thank you for bringing it up because I don't remember a season where so many ranked teams have lost this early in the season. Um, maybe yeah. we've mentioned it before, yeah. but especially weeks ago, it was like every week there's a new number one and then that new number one's lost. And then I just see other upsets happening. And college basketball is kind of those sports where, especially in the regular season, the um, the underdog loses until you get to the tournament. Then you get a little more upsets. But typically in college basketball, the higher seed is a higher seed for a reason, and they're going to win. Hasn't been the case this year. And I think, Zay, you bring up a really good point. It will open the door for a really, really exciting tournament. Because, like you said, one seeds have been losing, and, you know, history's been broken, a 16 beat a 1 already, but one seeds have already lost to unranked teams, so it's going to be a good tournament. Who knows what can happen. Um, yeah, it should be, should be really good uh, March Madness season. Yeah, quick shout-out to, I think the Mount is, Mount men's team is doing pretty good. I think they're, like, second in the NEC right now. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they, they, they're doing well, so that's something to keep an eye on, too. Yeah, that would be yeah. cool to be able to watch them either in a playing game or maybe, you know, as a 16 seed. But that that would be cool. I, I haven't been keeping track on them lately. Huh. Oh, well. Yeah, definitely something to look forward to. It's only February, but March will be here before you know it, and March Madness will be in full swing. Like Zay said, hockey season's still going. You mentioned the Caps and the Pens. They just played Penguins 1, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was it was like 5-4, I think. Yeah, yeah, they won by 1. I don't know exactly what it was. Okay, yeah, but it, it was a close game. Definitely... Uh, you know, like you said, the Caps are doing very well. I was surprised to look, see how many points they have and their record. So it should be exciting come playoff season. You know, maybe another fun playoff run will happen for DC. You know, I feel like with the Redskins, the Nationals and the Capitals really have to carry that city. But, um, you know, like I said, a lot of exciting news coming up. Uh, Zay and Roe hopefully will do that baseball podcast soon, especially breaking down that big trade um, and then, you know, what the Penguins are or maybe what the Penguins just aren't doing, or I'm sorry, the Pirates aren't doing. So we will, you know, we'll be here for that. 
If Tom Brady figures out where he wants to be, we'll be on top of that. Any NFL trades, big signings, franchise tags, we'll be on that. So please stay tuned. And uh, wait before we sign off, go for it. I have one last question. I yeah. want to get your opinion. Okay. So Nike in the track and field world next at the end of this month are the marathon trials. Yeah. And Nike, um, the governing track and field body said your shoes have to fit in this specification. Blah blah blah. Yes. And Nike, and they have to be available to everyone to buy. Yep. Nike just released a shoe that barely fits in that, you know, that barely fits in that qualification. Uh-huh. It's only available to, for their like elite pro club members to buy. Uh-huh. Do you think that's unfair for athletes that are, you know, that have signed with Adidas or Brooks or Under Armour uh... to be going up against like a shoe that's so advanced so i i have a couple questions right like how much of a difference could this shoe realistically make over the co- course of a marathon this is like the shoes that elliot kipchoge wore to break the two-hour marathon right barrier. but so they're like really fat, like really there is a big impact so, but like, if Kipchoke, what's Kipchoke's best time out of those shoes compared to the sub, uh, sub two hour run? Just so I can get like a reference, like this shoe gives him a ten minute advantage. Like three to four minutes. Okay, so three to four minutes. I mean, obviously, obviously, there's more into it, but one, um, I don't think it's fair that it's only for some exclusive runners, um. But it definitely does put pressure on... I'm okay with it because it puts pressure on other shoe companies and other runners to be like... Talk to their shoe company to be like, we need something like this that Nike's doing. Kind of level the playing field. I think it's cool that Nike's trying to push barriers in the field of running because I saw this new spike that's going to be exclusive for the 100 meter dash. So they definitely have some I stuff going on. so dumb. Yeah. Straight up, like... I just like in carbon fiber placements with two air pockets right in that forefoot. I think I don't know. I just think it's so, getting to where it's a little over engineered. I I do I do agree with you, um, but it's kind of cool that they're still trying to push that limit. Ultimately, you're just gonna have to find the next superstar in running that will ultimately make a difference. Because like right now, who won the one hundred? Christian Coleman at Worlds. Yeah. Christian Coleman ran like a 9.8 or 9.7, right? He's still long ways from the 9.58 that Usain Bolt ran. Noah Lyles is still far away from the 19.19 Usain Bolt ran. So that's what everyone's chasing. Um, in my opinion, a shoe, in the big scheme of things, the effect a shoe has, especially on such a short race as the 100 meter, is negligible. But as for a marathon, it's kind of just... Yeah. Ultimately, runner to runner, a shoe shouldn't make that much different. Either this runner's faster than you, or he's not. And maybe a shoe could make a three to four minute difference. But if you're at the caliber of Kipchoge, 
I would be stunned if like in because with Kipchoge's run, right? He, there were so many controlled variables there. Like they had so many pacers and everything. Like that's not going to be the case in every Olympic marathon. Um, yeah. So there are just so many other variables. Ultimately, it's just going to come down to who's the better athlete, training harder, all that stuff. The shoe is kind of like the last thing in my mind. Um, but back to your topic, I think it's a little unfair that only certain people can run with that shoe. So, okay, I'm going to be honest. I agree with what you just said, Michael. Um, like, it should be available to everyone. But in my opinion, shoes don't matter at all. If you're the best runner, you're going to win. If you're not the best runner, you're not going to win. It's that simple. Um, even for the marathon and the 100-meter dash, shoes, come on. I honestly don't care about shoes. Yeah. They don't, they don't make a difference. I'm with you. I mean, Usain Bolt was running in Pumas. You don't hear Puma talking about all this stuff, right? No. That's what I'm saying. Like, right? So, I don't know. Like, that's when all the, that's when the track models are, were all the same. But now that Nike's adding all this extra stuff in, I think it's ruining the integrity of the sport. Yeah. It's all, it's less about, like, the competition it kind of seems like it's less about the competition and the race of USA and Jamaica racing as opposed to just man against the clock. Yeah, and it's going to be like all the conversation is going to be about the shoes and are the shoes legal? These new shoes are supposed to add like double the amount of running economy that the other sh- that the previous version had, and um, some of their patents are wonky. So I think the conversation is going to be taken away about the running and the feet of the feet of human accomplishment, and more about the shoes that they're wearing. Yeah, I agreed. I agree. So that that was That's n- all I got. no that that was a nice little topic, John. Thank you for that. Um, so now I guess Zay, do you have anything before we sign off? So we're not a. Uh... All right. Yeah. So please, you know. I uh, hope you enjoyed this podcast. Like I said, we'll be back for all the other big news. Hopefully we can break it down to you. Just give our insight to it. But, uh, you know, give us a like, a listen, a subscribe, a follow, a share, whatever you can to help us out. And we will catch you guys next time.